and we're just not treated the same. We are more than likely deny access to capital, even when, even when we're credit worthy. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news story? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporters, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome to the News for New York Debrief podcast, or welcome back for those who used to find us before the pandemic really forced us to suspend our production of it, but we are back and for the time being, the debrief is going to focus on our coverage of race and racism and how race and bias intersect with various aspects of our society. We hope to paint a fuller picture of issues that have always been with us, but certainly surged to the top of the nation's consciousness with the killing of George Floyd. We're going to begin with a story from News Force Tracy Strahan and the issue of otherwise creditworthy black business owners being rejected for business loans from the banks at a disproportionate rate. She introduces us to one such business owner. Let's listen to her story. At Cornbread Restaurant in Maplewood, New Jersey, Give her oxtail and all of the sign. It's clear that Adina Bio is the boss. With mushroom and okra in it, it's to die for. But she's also running an empire. This soul food destination, just one piece of an operation that includes other dining spots and real estate projects worth hundreds of millions that she started with nothing as a refugee from Liberia is celebrated in the awards she's racked up. But often glossed over is the discrimination and systemic racism she's had to overcome. I heard seven banks. Is this true or false? That is absolutely true, and I'm being kind. Seven banks said no to me. From day one, Adina was a victim of this harsh reality. Black business owners are rejected for loans at a rate twice as high as white entrepreneurs. This according to federal data. It's bias, we call bias. They look at this application, zip code, gender, name, whatever, and say, now nah, I gotta be extra careful. And we're just not treated the same. We are more than likely deny access to capital, even when, even when we're credit worthy. Despite having plenty of collateral, Adina needed help to open her first franchise. She got it from an executive at the restaurant chain, a black woman. It brings tears to my eyes still to this day, and I said to her, no bank will finance me. The executive leaned on a lender, and Adina was in business. But the struggle was just beginning. Despite a record of success, she met resistance every time she sought financing for a new project. I wasn't familiar to them. I didn't fit the typical white boys sitting behind a laptop. I told you this is a keep it real thing. This is a discriminatory thing. What don't they see in a black woman's vision for business? And I think if I have to put it down to the number one thing is lack of diversity in these banks. Indeed, a congressional report last year found leadership of the biggest banks was mostly white and male, and only one out of 25,000 employees was dedicated to diversity. Ultimately, what I want to be is treated fairly. I want to put more in these communities than I take out. But in doing so, I need to be able to have access to resources, regardless of my gender or my race. 
Adina is finding hope and money in venture capital funds like New Voices, which supports women of color. And as she continues to grow her company, she's investing her time in the next generation. The most important thing is that I'm lo looking within my organization to promote the people that I have now into those seats. Maybe we'll see the next Adina. We have to see the next Adina. That's the only way this works. In Maplewood, Tracy Strahan, News 4, New York. So we want to explore this issue a little bit more, and we turn to an expert. Professor Rachel Marie Brooks Atkins is an assistant professor and postdoctoral faculty fellow at New York University's Stern School of Business. Professor Atkins, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Let me just ask you, you heard the story, or at least you're aware of Adina's story. How prevalent is this problem when it comes to loan denials for black business owners? Uh, well, we have some data to help us answer that question. There's an annual survey of entrepreneurs that is conducted by the Census Bureau. And according to their 2014 survey of black business owners who applied for credit from banks, the denial rate was around 53.4%. Put that in a little bit of context, um, among their white respondents, only 24.7% reported being turned down for loans. Now, these are just sort of the raw numbers, but you can see more than half of those who applied were actually denied bank loans when we're talking just about Black-owned businesses. Right, Professor, because one of the things that you'll sometimes hear is that, well, was the application up to standard on behalf of a lot of these businesses? Yes. Well, we do have some other evidence from various studies that have tried to look into that question by controlling for the, you know, characteristics right. or quote-unquote quality of the businesses. Uh, recently, um, as you are probably aware, we've had this paycheck protection program right. that has been trying to provide loans to small businesses. A recent study um, did something pretty interesting where they took pairs of individuals that they created these sort of fictitious businesses for. One person would be white, one person would be black, uh -huh. and they sent them out to banks in the Washington, D.C. area to see if they would be treated differently when they tried to apply for these kinds of loans, and they did find differences. And the lenders at these, at these banks um, steered them towards one type of loan or another, and so we, we do have from these what we call audit studies as well as some other analysis that accounts for things like credit worthiness and other characteristics of the banks, a lot of evidence that suggests that banks do treat black and white business owners differently. Interesting. So I just want to make sure, Professor Atkins, I understood what you're saying. You were referring to a study actually sent two men otherwise equal in their application, their background, everything, same financial footing, one white, one black. They went in to banks seeking uh, the loans and there's some empirical data that they had different experiences with everything else being the same. Exactly. Um, this was a study that was done by the National Community Reinvestment Coalition with some partners from various universities as well. And they conducted the study just this year between about the end of April and the end of May. So let me ask you this, Professor Atkins, because um, a lot of times it's banks, it's relationships, right, with some of their bigger clients, what have you. So is it as simple as like a bias by predominantly white male bankers, or is there something else? We talk about institutional bias. What do you understand it to be as you look at this? You know, I think there's a little bit of both from what the what the studies have shown us. For example, the study that I just mentioned would suggest that there's 
potentially some some bias at the at the level of the individual loan officers at banks. There's a lot of uh, work done by psychologists on implicit bias that suggests that sometimes tendency towards bias is unconscious. Mm-hmm. Some of it, I'm sure, is you know animus. I I I think that most of us would assume that that is at a much lower level in 2020 right. than it was you know, 50 years ago, right. but that these individual level biases do, um, do exist. But then there are also, as you mentioned, there are institutional factors as well. Going back to this sort of PPP loan situation, uh, most recently, you know, one of the things that we've, we've discovered and trying to figure out, well, why did some businesses get access to loans and others did not? The way that the program itself was even structured may have disadvantaged Black-owned businesses. For example, the SBA, when they initially rolled out the program, was only right. um, operationalizing this uh, lending program through its existing bank partners. And so mm-hmm. um, Black-owned businesses often don't have existing relationships with some of these right. larger lending institutions. And so they would sort of, by definition, be at a disadvantage. So what's the solution here then, uh, given that? You know, what, what, what's the recourse for frustrated black would-be business owners who keep getting turned down and they want to have those relationships, but obviously there's been this systemic obstacle from what it seems. This isn't a problem for them to solve on their own. Right. Business owners are out there doing the best they can. They're trying to, um, they're trying to take care of their, themselves, mm-hmm. their employees, their, their clients and their customers. This is a, an issue that we as a society have to decide that we're going to address. Mm-hmm. And a number of things that, that need to happen um, include, one, <laughs> studying this topic a little bit more. Um, one, of the, one of the things I as a researcher find very frustrating is that it's hard sometimes to get the data we need to even figure out what's going on. For example, you know, as much as I can say about the PPP loan program, um, the data that SBA has has made available has very sparse data on the race of the folks who received loans, and we don't really have much data at all on who applied for these loans. And so just having better data on, on this topic would help us to better understand some of the um, mechanisms behind the issues. But beyond that, there are, there are things that need to be done at the sort of individual institution or organization level in terms of policies. You know, how are large banks making decisions about where they locate, what communities they locate in? How are they training their staff? Do they see being um, accessible to the entire community as a a goal worth pursuing? Um, And then beyond that, these businesses, banks don't exist in a vacuum. They exist in in a broader regulatory environment. So things like the Community Reinvestment Act and and other types of legislation, there's some legislation in Dodd-Frank that would allow for better reporting of lending to business owners of different races, but that has not actually, even though the bill was passed in 2010, that that reporting requirement has not been enacted. So there are some very real policy things that we can do to not only, you know, let banks know we're not going to tolerate outright discriminatory behavior, but also to change the incentive structures so that it's not more profitable for them to continue business as usual. Interesting. So when we talk about the conversation that is happening as a result of a horrific event, these are the other conversations that need to happen if you're going to tackle this issue and the complexity of it, it sounds like, Professor. Absolutely. All right. Professor Rachel Marie Brooks-Atkins, from NYU, the Stern School of Business. Thank you so much for helping us offer some context to this particular issue. 
Thanks for having me. All right. And we want to thank our production team, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz here at News 4 New York. We will see you next time for these important conversations on The Debrief. Oh, <sighs>